Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 87 of the podcast. We're getting up there, aren't we? It's the 30th of August, 2017, as I record this intro. And it's Q&A time again. Anne Oman and Anna Brown join me to answer your questions. We have a great time answering questions this month about unschooling as adults, how energetic kids engage with the world, partnering with our children around chores, and helping a child learn something that's challenging for us. As an update, I wanted to let you know that Anne, Anna, and I are happy to announce that the online Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit will be launching in September. Yay! And that's 2017, in case you're listening to this further into the future. We have done an incredible amount of work on it these last six months, and we're super excited to finally share it with you guys. I'll keep you up to date on the highlights through the podcast, but if you'd like the details as they are released, just go to childhoodredefined.com and sign up to the mailing list. And while you're there, you can watch a short video the three of us put together to invite you along with us. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the podcast on Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. You guys inspire me every day. And I love that you're helping me share unschooling information with anyone who wants to explore ways to live this wonderful lifestyle with their family. If you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week, I want to share a quote from the episode, something Anne said near the end because it just encapsulates so much of our unschooling lives. When I was talking about how we create our worlds, this is it. You're talking about what they want and how much we can give and is this enough and what do you think about this? I just think it's got this beautiful feeling, a beautiful swirl and flow, and it's amazing the picture that we paint, we create with our lives with just the connection the true deep connection with our children. I just love it. And that's it right there. Unschooling is life. And now on to your questions. Welcome to another Q&A episode. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and I am happy to be joined again by Anne Oman and Anna Brown. Hi to you both. Hello. hello. Hello, hello. So we've got ourselves a slate of questions today. Would you like to get us started, Anna? Sure. Okay, so question one is from Ionia in Ireland, and she writes, I am the mother of a 13-year-old boy and a real newbie to unschooling. My husband and I only came across the term when we started looking into alternative education for our son about six months ago, but from the moment we started to read about unschooling, we knew it was a good fit for our family. 
I want to thank you so much for this fantastic podcast and especially the Q&A sessions, which I find extremely interesting, challenging, and inspiring. The question I have isn't so much about unschooling our son, but actually about unschooling for adults. This is something I've seen mentioned, but I haven't read or heard much about the idea. My husband and I are both artists, and it seems to me that the way we create art is similar to how children learn naturally through play, exploration, and the freedom to immerse themselves in whatever they are drawn to. There's a similarity, too, in the atmosphere that is most conducive to the creation of art and the atmosphere that is required to allow unschooling to happen, i.e. an atmosphere of equality, trust, respect, honesty, and support. However, difficulties tend to arise in the life of an artist when our often slow creative process comes up against the need to earn a living. In fact, the only difference I can see between the life of an unschooled child and that of an adult artist is that one is provided for and the other has to provide for themselves. So my question is this, how do children who have been unschooled make the transition from following their interests freely to having to earn a a living? I'm sure that most children who have been unschooled find a walk of life that is enjoyable to them and can support themselves eventually through doing what they love best, but inevitably earning money from a pursuit changes the nature of the activity and puts a quote worth on it. So for example, an artist may find that they wake up one morning and have the impulse to take out their dusty watercolor set and go painting, but they have a commission they need to finish and so the impulse has to be ignored. The activity of creating the commission suddenly becomes less enjoyable as the natural creative flow has been blocked. As an artist, an unschooling adult, and a de-schooling mother, I'm very curious to know if there are mental approaches that can make the relationship between work and money easier to handle. Can unschooling carry into adulthood? I would love to hear your thoughts and experiences around this idea. Thanks again. So thanks, Ione. I found this really an interesting question. Um, You know, I've seen with many children who have grown into adulthood that they do find a way to make a living. And I've seen some do it while they're pursuing what they love, you know, art, dance, music, etc. And I found that others do choose to keep their passions close to their hearts and to not make it about money, choosing to earn money in other ways. So I think it's interesting to see that people kind of do what feels best to them. I think what's particularly cool about the unschooling young adults that I know is that they are so much clearer about their choices. And when something doesn't work, they tweak it. And I think something we don't see that as often in adults that maybe haven't had this background, they'll stick something to it. They'll be miserable. They'll complain and they'll kind of dig themselves into a hole. And I see that unschooled children are much more in touch with that internal guidance system, which I think is really cool. I think so much about what you described is about the story we tell ourselves and about our choices and our motivations. If we tell a tale of have-tos and requirements, it can really weigh us down. But if we can find a place of joy about a commission or another job that we decide to take, it changes the energy and how we approach it. I really look at it that there's always choices. You could choose not to finish the commission you could push back the date. You might also choose to take time to follow your impulse to work with your watercolors and in doing so might find the perfect inspiration for the commission. Embracing your choices and trust that inspiration and joy will flow. You know, that's really the mental shift. If the commission is truly not speaking to you, you can choose to trust that another door will open. For me, it's just really the energy that I bring to the situation that shapes how I feel about it and how it ultimately plays out. 
I do find unschooling in general to be very much how adults approach learning. And I've always found that fascinating and I've talked about it before. You know, we find something that interests us and we may read or find mentors or just dig in and start doing it. You know, we find resources, whatever aids our process. We pursue it until we get what we need out of it and then we move on or we keep going if it's something that speaks to us. And so it really just seems to be the natural process of acquiring knowledge. And you're already seeing that, you know, I would just suggest taking a look at the words you use and the stories that you're creating around the things in your life. You know, that's completely in your control. And I think you'll find that it has the power to create a lot of joy and amazing connections and opportunities as you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I too loved your question and your thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing them. And um, I'm uh, adding on to what Anna's saying about um, uh, it's the choice we have of how to perceive things. And I want to springboard from your portion when you um, ask, how do children who have been unschooled make the transition from following their interests freely to having to earn a living? And just the, the contrast of those two things was so huge that I'm just going to say they don't <laughs> because um, they just keep doing what feels good and right to them. I, it's, I, it's never a weight of having to make money. I I believe um, it's their desire to make some money or their desire to move to their own place. You know, those things are a part of a continuation of their unschooling lives. Those desires are a part of their beingness and their focus is on living a good life, walking toward the things that make them feel good. So, as I said, they simply don't carry around the weight of having to make the money. So if they want money, as I said, it comes from a desire um, for something that they want that will allow for their growth and expansion. And that's how it's always been for them. That's something that gets a fabulous thumbs up from the universe also, because growth and expansion is what we're here for. And so because of that, uh, you know, the universe sets things in motion to make things happen for them. Um, I have stories about that, but first I want to, uh, I love how you said this. Um, an artist may find that they wake up one morning and have the impulse to take out their watercolor set paint, but ha they have a commission they need to finish, so the impulse has to be ignored. The activity of creating the commission suddenly becomes less enjoyable as the natural creative flow has been blocked. I get that, but once again, with our unschooling kids, the, that impulse does not have to be ignored or pushed down. As Anna was saying, it's a choice to do the other thing that is also fulfilling because it's a part of the path that they are choosing to take to get exactly what they need and desire from their life. It's their choice. In fact, it's part of their vision of getting that thing which makes them feel good. And, and I was saying this too, they don't have to feel like their work is drudgery. You know, that's the message society sends us. That's where they send us after 12 years of school and after four years of college. They send us to a job that becomes drudgery and joyless and lifeless. And from what I know of unschooled adults, they know that this is not real life. Um, the thing that's important here, too, is that my kids have taken jobs outside of what their biggest passion is, and they have loved them. They're currently loving them right this moment. They're working at other things. Um, because while Jacob is an artist, that's not all he is. And while my Sam loves to cook and he was a chef, that's not all he is. Um, there was a point 
in um, Jacob's life, he's 26 now. Or is 27? 26. He'll be 27. I can never remember how old he is. So weird. <laughs> um, there was one point when he did feel like he was paddling upstream, trying to come up with ways to make a living from his art. So, you know, I get what you're saying and everything. And for him, it was crucial that he was free to do the art that he was inspired to do. He left art school, in fact, because he started to feel like they were teaching his own voice out of his art. And he does take commissions for um, art pieces and tattoos, but those who seek him out want his voice in the art that they're asking for. So anyway, I was driving one day and I heard Tony Robbins on NPR and he was talking about this very topic. He was saying that you don't have to do what you love the most as your job. And I couldn't believe how simple and obvious it sounded, and yet it was kind of something that we skipped over in our unschooling lives. <laughs> so I came home, and I was so excited to tell Jacob because it was during this time when he was feeling, you know, like he wanted to make money but couldn't figure out how to do it with his art. So as I told him, I literally watched the weight of the world lift from his shoulders. Mm. I could see him sit up taller and his face lit up and I could see possibilities opening up in him. And he was like, okay, I've been interested in learning more about coffee and the new methods of making it. Maybe I can work at a coffee shop. I've also been wanting to learn about wine. I could learn a lot if I worked at a wine store. And what I loved so much about that is the direction he went in right away. He Right there, he excavated other things he was interested in learning about. And what was his method for getting what he wanted? To find a way to get paid while he was learning about the things he wanted to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. His whole thing wasn't, you know, uh, how can I make a living anymore? It's like, how can I get what I want to learn about the world and, and get paid for it? So right away, we started the flow of doors opening in, you know, this new exciting path we were in. I remember we went to Blue Bottle Coffee's website, and he's reading about their history, about brewing methods and equipment, their fair trade practices. We ordered the book, The Blue Bottle Craft of Coffee. And uh, from him just speaking aloud, his desire, those few sentences, a new world and direction opened up to him. And then the next day, after he said, I want to learn about coffee and I want to learn about wine, I was reading local job opening ads online. And I never do this, but it just I went there on this day to see what possibilities there might be for Jacob, who was seeking. And of course, our local liquor and wine store had an ad that they were hiring. And this is the liquor and wine store that's family owned. And the owners know my kids and love my kids because we've been going there for years and they've always engaged in conversation with the owner. When Sam was 16, he was interested in mixology. And he always asked the owner so many questions about um, drinks and um, liquor and everything. And, you know, never once did the owner point out that he was 16 and he shouldn't have this interest. <laughs> so the owners knew us. They knew my kids. And Jacob had that job the minute he walked in the door for the interview. And he stayed at that job and he learned so much about wine. He was put in charge of the store's wine tastings. And then he left the job when he got what he needed from it. And Sam's story also, he's worked at his passion since he was 19. He's 23 now. And working in a professional kitchen is very stressful and demanding. He knew last year that he needed to walk away from that. And right when he was thinking about what he would love to do instead, 
uh, not just thinking about it because our, our unschooled kids just kind of hold on to things, you know, with their whole beingness, um, you know, holding on to the question and the desire. Um, I was on Instagram one night and I saw that the farmers for whom both Jacob and Sam had interned one summer were hiring full-time farmhands. And this was one of Sam's visions to learn more about organic, the organic farming aspect of his passion for food. And so, of course, they wanted to hire Sam. And, uh, you know, recently he even thought about going back to being a chef, um, but the farmers didn't want him to leave and offered him a nice management package through to next year. And that may turn into a farm-to-table restaurant situation in the future. And Sam is so, so happy and content with staying there. And the point of my stories is that um, unschooling parents, we can't sit where we are and look at our children and predict the future. We don't want to do that. Even worse is to be fearful of the future or to worry about the future. And we don't even want to speculate about the future Mm -hmm. because there are infinite possibilities for an unschooled child that we can't even come close to knowing about. You know, our attention only needs to be right here, right now in this moment, helping our child get what they need to bring them joy and the things that make them feel good. Because it's in that way, by following their inner voice and their tuition, intuition, their inner compass, that doors will open for them that they didn't even know existed because they're living in that space of their joy. Um, At the end of my conference talk entitled, This is How We Shine, Growing and Expanding, um, in which I talk a lot about this very topic, I said, I believe that if unschoolers can't get what they desire and need from the world, they will not only create what it is that they need, but they will create the world that they need and desire. And I'm not talking about, you know, taking clay and creating something from scratch. I'm just talking about how Jacob and Sam created and manifested really what it is they desired because it's that desire that's a part of the fabric of their being and that goes into the universe and, just the fact that they know that they want to live a rich, full life and not just have a job. So uh, and, um, as far as your question, can unschooling carry on into adulthood? If you're willing to think um, beyond the box, there's an Abraham Hicks book about the law of attraction and money that I think you would benefit greatly from. Pamela? Pammy? Pammy? <laughs> I love just sitting back and listening to stories. Um, I will just add a touch because I have lots of those stories too, but it is definitely a fascinating question. I own you. I loved it. I love the connections that you saw between unschooling and the artistic lifestyle. And what you're talking about really is like that classic psychological struggle of earning a living. But you know, exactly what Anne was talking about. It's, it's a, a shift. It's a natural shift for unschooling kids because that is such an integral question of life. And unschooling is living life. So, you know, there's no unschooling inoculation for the realities of life. You know, when we first hear about unschooling, it can seem kind of utopian. Like, we never have any problems because look how beautiful, you know, we all just do whatever it is we want. But as you learn more and more about it and as you see it in action, you see that it's it's just it's a different way of looking at and approaching all these aspects of life. 
And I see I see that question coming up, you know, uh, regularly in even the writing communities that I hang out in. Um, it's in just about every author mindset book I pick up, you know, writing for love or writing for money and what that distinction means. And is it really a dichotomy? You know, can is that really um, one or the other? You know, and that's what we're saying is that there's so many choices and possibilities between there to get both. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And like I mentioned, uh, I see my kids grappling with those questions all the time. Um, you know, my daughter is a photographer. And so she went through that as well. And, you know, it's just very similar to what Anne says. And, and what Anna mentioned before, it's all about um, seeing how how it's going, how we're feeling um, and tweaking things. Because in the end, it really, the, the value that unschooling really brings to this question is the level of self-awareness that our children have mm-hmm. as they make that shift. Because people... I mean, they want to earn money. They, everybody has, um, a, and, and you can't put a timetable on that either. You know what I mean? When, mm-hmm. when they have, um, a, that as a goal at some point, oh, I'd like to be able to do this and this and, oh, I need some money for that. Oh, how can I earn? You know, it's just things that come up when you're living life and their self-awareness, um, is what brings them that advantage. So it's not like I was talking before. It's not like, um, you know, this happy unschooling life. And then all of a sudden the weight of having to earn money, it's not a shift like that. It's a natural shift based on their goals and what they want to do and accomplish and, and how they want to live even, right. Even just wanting to have their own place and their own space and stuff like that. All those questions come into the mix. So it's such a beautiful yet natural transition and they don't have to turn off their unschooling mindset or their unschooling approach to their days because it's it's a lifestyle. It's a way to approach life in the end. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, I, it, yeah. oh, sorry, I was just going to say because it comes from within them and not mm-hmm. from society's messages. And that's, you know, uh, to add on what you were saying. Right. Yeah. And I, the same for me, because I feel like it's it's a different relationship with money. I think that when you're kind of on the treadmill, it's you do this to do this, to have this, to do this, to have this. And you're kind of not really even understanding why you're on the treadmill and why you're doing this. And I feel like it's that self-awareness piece that Pam talked about. They're choosing opportunities to get money or to find ways to earn money to do things they're interested in. It all makes sense. It it just reminds me of like even how unschooling with math, how it makes sense when it's something you use and do and, you know, is a part of your life. It's the same with this this idea of money. And I also loved what Anne said about don't try to plan and limit because I or I'm saying limit don't try to plan because I feel like our minds are limited in what we think are the opportunities that are the, or the paths and really the paths are infinite so just let that unfold and, and trust that self-awareness that they have mm-hmm. I, I find seeing it as seeing our lives as always fine-tuning because mm-hmm. we we walk toward what feels good and it, that's not going to feel good forever because we are growing and expanding. Yes. So then there's the period of fine-tuning. And 
uh, mainstream society does not know that concept. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> so, and our children grow up with that, grow up with encouragement to continue to grow and expand and shift and change and interested in this now and interested in that later. And they're not all about their biggest passion if they do have a biggest passion. And that that's another thing that I know a lot of unschooled kids feel bad about because they don't have a big passion. So they're like, you know, but but you have a hundred little interests that are fantastic, you know, that are worthy also. And um, just because mainstream starts asking infants what they're going to be when they grow up, <laughs> you know, that's not the world uh, our kids live in at all. They're valued in this moment, uh, who they are right in front of us. And that's what we see, value and celebrate. And I love the idea, just to reiterate it, that you mentioned, Anne, that there is nothing wrong at all with choosing to earn your money in one way and and use those earnings to pursue your passions and your interests in the way you want to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I remember when when Lissy was, you know, younger, early teens and really into photography, and you would tell somebody outside of our family that she was really into photography. It was, oh, she's going to be a photographer. Right. It's like, no, that's not an assumption to me. Right. Yeah. You know, there is zero wrong with choosing, you know, another job to earn money to support other passions and interests. Because, see, it's it's a choice. That's the difference. Yes. They, they are choosing to take that job, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a movie theater, you know, mm-hmm. fast food, whatever. They're wanting some money for something, and they're choosing to go there to earn this money that they're using. And that's the thing is is we always uh, we always see things as choices, I think, yeah. rather than mm-hmm. obligations. Or I'm 16, I have to go get myself, uh, right. you know, the typical teenage job, and I'm stuck there. Right. It's, we make our choices from such a different place, even if what we do looks very similar. Right. And I think it's with unschooling kids, they get the experience. Like, it's not just like, I have to do this to make money to do this. Like, I have a child who works at a movie theater, and there's the experience Uh piece. So it's, you know, people may say, oh, she's earning money at this minimum wage job or whatever it is, you know, but it's like, but she wanted the experience and she's saving a bunch of money. Right. And and it's for the joy. You know what I mean? They they, they wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't for the joy. And the other thing is... You know, our kids have um, left home and come home again, you know, where it's we're not the family that kicks the kids out. I, You know, I have a friend on Facebook right now and she's writing about crying because her daughter's going to college in the next town 15 minutes away and everything. But still, you know, she she homeschooled and she had her in her life every single day and everything. And she's crying. And I'm just like, you know, that doesn't have to be this way. You know, <laughs> um, it, there's there they come and go flow in and out. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the beauty of our lives, our unschooling lives. And the when you mentioned the joy, that's the thing is we also are very used to looking for the joy. Mm-hmm. Like we find the mm-hmm. fun in a situation right. that we're choosing. Like we know when you know maybe this part of the job isn't so fun, and this mm-hmm. part, and but we always go back to the fact that this is our choice, and we find and appreciate the good stuff about it. And yes, at at a time, if we find over time that the negative stuff is starting to outweigh the positive stuff, 
you know, we that's when you start shifting and looking mm-hmm. for other things and, and, you know, making making real decisions, you know, based on you know, what what have what have I saved? You know, do I mind staying here for a while till I find something right. else? You know, there's just a million, a million possibilities, right? Yes. As you move Infinite forward. possibilities. Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> and so and for you as as artists. Um, Ionia and your husband, you said both of you are artists. I just thought I would mention uh, a couple of books that are on this whole mind shifty thing. Um, the Practicing Mind by Thomas Sturmer, Sterner. I will put links to these in the show notes. Um, there's The Art of Earning by Tara Gentile. And uh, I know you're probably um, paint. I, I don't know what kind of artist you are. But anyway, The Successful Author Mindset by Joanna Penn. I mean, it's it's a mindset book. So it's any kind of, of art, I am sure. I read it a while ago, but I know that it's uh, open-ended. Anyway, okay, we're probably ready to move on to the next yeah, question. Uh, it's going to be a long podcast, kids. Settle in. <laughs> we're, on, we're on question two. <laughs> we, uh, we have question two as an anonymous question, and... The author writes, hi, firstly, I'd like to thank you for these podcasts. I like to listen to them when I go for morning walks before my boys wake up and my husband has not yet left for work. I have two boys. We came to unschooling because my eldest made it so. He is an incredible child full of energy and love, but he made it pretty clear from the beginning that learning was on his terms. Sorry, I'm tearing up here. I love this. We decided that he wouldn't be a great fit for school and launched into de-schooling. That was three years ago. So now my children are seven and three and a half. I am seeking help on how to respond to my eldest. Whenever he gets hurt or upset, his reaction is quite ferocious. He is extremely loud and hollers and squawks for quite some time. It is noticeable to people within our vicinity. Um, sorry, just lost my place. To the point that they think he is extremely hurt. He plays soccer, which he loves, and his father is his coach. My husband is becoming a little embarrassed by his reactions. I'm wondering how we can help him. We've never told him that it's not okay to cry, of course, and my husband is extremely affectionate with our children. When my son feels better, it is sudden and like nothing happened. There's no gradual recovery. It's like he's switched on or off. I've always seen him as a child that feels things and does things with such passion. He has gone through periods where the morning sunlight bothered him so much he'd scream in pain. He's quite particular with feeling textures like wearing clothes or eating food. He doesn't like being touched by others but demands close contact with me and wrestling with my husband. He makes high-pitched sounds whilst watching YouTube on his iPad and randomly yells. Transitioning has also been something that can cause upset. Most of these things worsen for a period and then improve, but the noises and reactions have not. He has a lot of energy and is quite the extrovert. However, he does not connect with a lot of kids. It's like they're afraid of his unpredictability or they just don't like him because he's seemingly loud and proud. However, he has more empathy than any other child I've met and is always the first to ask someone if they're okay or help them up on the pitch. We've been okay with him quitting activities. He often has a problem with the teaching nature of such things. He does not want to quit soccer and becomes quite distressed at the idea of doing so. I'd like some ideas on how to help him with this sensory distress in an unschooling home. I'm concerned that asking these questions elsewhere will lead to suggestions of diagnoses, labels, and therapy. 
I do not wish to view my son through such a lens and would like to help him cope or manage in the world in which he lives whilst embracing that these behaviors are just a part of who he is. Oh, oh my. Hello. I can't even begin to tell you how my heart is there with you right now. (laughs) I know of which you speak deeply and not just with my own son, but myself as well. And I honestly don't know where to start. I so much I want to share. (laughs) First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing him and understanding that school was not the right choice for him. You know, right off the bat, you made it clear that you want him to continue to be celebrated for being exactly who he is. And you've kept that desire and energy throughout your entire um, write-up, your questions. And that's just so wonderful and right. And I know for sure we can help you dig deeper and go a little more radical even so that you can have some answers and direction. And I so understand your your reluctance to ask the questions that you feel may lead to diagnosis, labels, and therapy. Um, You've come to the right place, (laughs) and there's other places you can go. I also went out on a quest to find some answers, um, and... Because my questions came from a place of simply wanting to own a deeper understanding of my child so that I could give him what he needed in order to feel at peace and to shine, um, I knew it was worth pursuing uh, and finding ways to help him. So, uh, you know, for me, I just needed more information about my child's mind and heart. And I feel like you do also, so that you can continue to create your son's world, one that is easy and joyful for him to live in, one where he is free to shine as he is. And when I say um, you can create his world, that's a really powerful sentence for you to remember and to hold on to. Because it's with every choice you make, you can follow his needs and his desires. You can surround him with people who see him shine as he is. You can fill his life with the things that make him light up, and you can remove the things that bring him huge anxiety and stress, or at least talk about how to reduce those things if it's something that he still wants in his life. But the point is that you do have the power to create your child's world with him by following and helping him get more of the things that give him less anxiety and more joy. I I love what you're saying in this sentence. Um, I do not wish to view my son through such a lens and would like him to help him cope or manage in the world in which he lives whilst embracing that these behaviors are just a part of who he is. So, yes, you're on the right track. That's where you need to be. And yet, even with that, I'm feeling there are some shifts and pivots you can make to go even more radical with your desire. And that's what I'm talking about with creating his world. Um, you don't. I think you don't want to have your mindset or goal be simply to help him cope or manage in the world because there's so much more. And with every breath, with every conversation, with every choice and decision, you can hold on to this vision of him shining and lighting up from doing what he loves to do the most. You've seen him in that place. And you can just hold on to that with every everything you do and talk about. So, and that's how you create the world also. Um, Focusing on coping and managing kind of drags that down. You feel how the difference between the two shift your focus to shining to his shine and celebrating him. Um, Helpful 
in the journey of getting more information. If you haven't read the book, The Highly Sensitive Child, that would be valuable. If you haven't read The Out of Sync Child, that would be valuable also. And if you haven't read my essay, I Am What I Am on my website, uh, shinewithunschooling.com, please do so. Pause the show right now and go read it. (laughs) We wait while you go read it (laughs) because you won't even believe the similarities that um, I write about with what you're saying here. The two books I mentioned, they are not unschooling books. So please just take from it what you need to get what I said was a better understanding of your child. And don't try to follow any specific advice. In fact, I think it was one of the chapters in the Out of Sync Child that says, if only school could be more like home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hello. (laughs) How about you eliminate the school portion entirely? Uh, So just remember that while you're reading and seeing your child in the words that you're reading that you know your child best and your child knows himself best. So just be careful not to take it in a direction that isn't in alignment with unschooling or who your child is. Um, Another thing I um, would like you to be aware of is your reaction to his behaviors. Um, Your question is so full of celebration for him and who he is. And that's so fantastic and perfect. And yeah, also being so empathetic, your son is most likely picking up on the fact that your husband is feeling um, a little embarrassed by his behavior. And even your desire to help with how to respond to his behavior, we can pivot that a little so you can go deeper and see only your son, see only him in these moments without so much focus on wondering how to respond. In fact, I thought for a little exercise, maybe... Um, see if you can go even more radical and read your question again and hold on to that celebration that you already have of who he is with absolutely everything that you wrote about him, absolutely everything, and see if you can feel it, feel the celebration even in those explosive moments that you wrote about, because I can really feel a celebration and appreciation for who he is. He is so full of feeling things <laughs> that he needs to let it out in this in this manner. He just needs to just let go. And how cool is it that when he's done, he's just done with it? Um, my son, Jacob, was more implosive. He would hold on to things and they would pile up in his beingness and just eat away at him. Even years later, he would come to me and tell me that he felt so bad about, still feels so bad about something that he did, you know, years ago. Your son can't hold on to it. It just builds up and it has to come out. And once you see that as something to be celebrated, um, maybe not feeling an embarrassment about it or seeing the behavior and wanting it to stop, then you can move forward with helping him. Because it's then that he will feel you have validated how he is feeling and how he is responding even. And as you know, he is feeling it all so very deeply. So that's why I'm going to talk more about validation now, (laughs) because validation is so huge and important. Um, If you're reacting from a place of simply wanting his behavior to stop, that's just going to make it more intense because he's really knowing that he's not being seen um, and if, even if you're trying to fix the thing that's making him upset, which, you know, seems like it's a very loving thing to do. You, you're trying to help him and f- fix the thing that's uh, making him upset, but that's still, you're not 
going into seeing what he's feeling, what he's feeling. You're just going into fix it mode. So here's where you go deeper. You see everything through his eyes and his heart. And you do some radical validation of how he's feeling while holding on to the celebration of who he is. You know, appreciation for him and the way he feels so deeply. That's where you need to be. Radical validation is feeling what he's feeling so deeply in yourself that you can sincerely, sincerely say, oh my goodness, I so understand what you're feeling. That is so upsetting. I have felt that way before. I get it. I'm so sorry. Or something like that. Um, And maybe when he's, um, you know, um, having his explosive moment, um, there's not even space to say any words. But even then, you can hold on to those feelings, deeply hold on to those feelings of validating him and hold that space for him. And he will definitely feel your energy and where it's not in conflict with what he's feeling. It's in alignment with what he's feeling. So he can continue to work through it in his own way and as in, in his own time because you are honoring and validating him. And so it's in that radical validation where our kids feel completely seen and heard, respected and honored and celebrated. Um, This is the place to go to so that your son knows that no matter what he's doing, how he's responding, what he's saying, you understand and you're letting him know it's still okay and right to be who he is. Um, And it's in that space where they can own their feelings, they can own their behavior and then shifting out of it becomes easier again because nothing's your energy isn't in conflict with theirs it's an alignment as long as we also understand that shifting out of it will happen when they are ready again um the same conference talk i mentioned in the first question um this is how we shine growing and expanding i have an excerpt um that's on my website that's called validating our children and i think that would be a good read for you too and in fact when i was um speaking i remembered another book isn't it the explosive child is that what the other book is called yep the explosive child so i never needed that one so that's why it left my head but um that's another good one and i'm sorry i'm giving you so much homework in your unschooling lives (laughs) (laughs) um another thing that we use is briefing and debriefing i've talked about that before in um in the podcasts Uh, It's where we, before we go to do something, our family would review where we're going, what we envision it will be like, what we do if something comes up and, um, you know, somebody's upset, how long we think we're going to stay there. You know, we just kind of cover everything, um, what we're going to have to feel grounded again if the child gets upset, maybe water and some, you know, cheese or something. um, And... Then we go into situations prepared for anything. And um, in your situation, maybe you could say if if something upsets you, how about, you know, we go for a walk and, you know, talk about it and I'll give you some water. I'll give you a back rub. You know, that's a sensory thing that you had asked about. Um, oh, the other thing is the, the li- sensory things you asked about on Shine With Unschooling. We have a list of sensory activities. You've posted that before, haven't you, Pam? Or Yep. We had I'll put it in the show notes here, too. Okay, good. And, uh, you know, just and then there's the debriefing after you've been somewhere to um, figure out what 
if something, you know, happened, um, what went wrong, what we could have done better, what we can do next time. And uh, an important part of debriefing is focusing on the really good moments, the cool moments. What did you think was so cool? That was so neat when you did this. And, you know, I mean, it's just kind of covering everything. And that gives them information that also helps with um, you say you have trouble in transitioning. I've always found that to be helpful also. Um, with my son, I used to go go to him where he was in his game or his book or whatever and sit by him and touch him and connect um, where he is with where I am, you know, bring him back to being in our home and everything and talk to him about what he's doing and then mention, you know, we have this thing that we've talked about doing and gradually, you know, get his mind over to that place instead of any abrupt you know, we've got to be somewhere in 10 minutes. You know, he always needed time and physical connection between worlds, between his world and our home world and the world that we were going out into. So I think I've talked enough. How about you, <laughs> uh, Do you need a drink, Anne? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a drink. Uh, um, so just to say, all your homework will be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Places to read. The only little touch I had to add was um, you had mentioned um, that he does not want to quit soccer and becomes distressed at that idea. So as you're opening up to some more creative ideas, the only thing I wanted to mention is that might not be the only way to have that soccer experience. Maybe he's thinking that he either, you know, plays on this team or he doesn't get to play. Um, That's one thing. that, that can help is realizing that organized activities needn't be the only way um, to do things. You know, you can dance around at home if they're interested in dance, but for some reason the organized activity uh, environment doesn't work well for them. You know, your husband coaches soccer, so he loves it. So they could, you know, go out and play and kick the ball around and maybe even grab a couple other kids if, if maybe three or four kids or two or three kids um, is a more comfortable environment or space for your son to be playing soccer, etc. So uh, that was all I wanted to mention is that um, sometimes when when there's an easy answer right in front of us, we forget that there are other ways to accomplish the same kind of thing. That's all. Did you have anything to add, Anna? Um, not much. So just really quick that along basically along with what Ann said too but also talking to him and when it's not in the middle of the event like what would he like during those moments and I think that can help kind of shape and Ann talked about some options you know that you can talk about with walking and water and a break but just you know having him involved in that process too of like what what would he want that to look like what does he want those reactions or he may just want the space to have them and 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 what I loved is just like what Ann picked up on what an amazing gift that he has found a way to express himself and get all of that out. And then he just moves on. Like, I love this. People (laughs) want this more than anything. So I I think if you can just celebrate that gift that he has, it will really change your perspective about it. And I think you may find you have a role in explaining it to others at times, just saying, you know, this is his process. He is just getting all that out that he needs to. And isn't it amazing how he can then just move on and then they're celebrating with you. So I think, again, this is really a gift. And so I think if you can change that mindset about it, even though it seems kind of distressing in the moment, 
I just love that he's found a way to get all that yuckiness out and then he's ready to play and move on again. It's really beautiful. Right. And he'll pick up on the fact that yes. you are you are celebrating all of him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's huge. That will be that will be. Okay. Question number three is from Chelsea in Idaho. Uh, she writes, Hi, we have been in unschooling now for over a year and a half and are loving our lifestyle. We are continually de-schooling ourselves and moving towards respectful parenting. My husband and I were hoping to get a concrete response to some situations that we deal with on a consistent basis. One, I'm getting dinner ready. The dishwasher is clean, but there are dishes in the sink and I need help getting things in order to get food ready for everyone. Usually the kids sigh or complain about not wanting to help. What am I supposed to do in a situation like this when I need the help and no one is contributing? Number two, at the end of the day, we like the house picked up before everyone is in bed, and most of the mess is from the kids throughout the day. They rarely want to help pick things up that they were playing with, and most nights are not pleasant during this time. We are understanding the concept of respectful parenting and partnership, but there are specific situations that are just making us draw a blank. Thank you, ladies. And hi, Chelsea. Thank you very much for your question. Um, and I think we're going to have a little bit of fun here digging a little bit deeper and we're going to find kind of what's in common between these situations. But, you know, basically, if the kids don't want to help, the, the result of that is really just that things take longer. So your reality is that dinner's ready later. And you know what? Maybe that doesn't bother them, you know? So for me, in these kinds of situations, and I've, you know, I've processed through very, yeah, these exact situations. So, you know, for me, it was about digging into my own expectations. So asking myself questions like, why do I have expectations of others? You know, I realize as you're realizing here, if they're not meeting them, I'm the one who's getting frustrated about it, right? And I don't want to be frustrated. Like you said, this is, we're enjoying our lifestyle. These are two sticking points that you're finding. You don't want to be frustrated. So uh, what what I did for a bit to to play around and see what happens. Remember, we tweak things and see what see what's up. Um, I dropped my expectations of others, and it was it was a huge thing. And it's it's a relationship thing. And actually, um, a good chunk of this was something that I worked through in my marriage before I even discovered unschooling. You know, this is this is a relationship thing. How are we going to live together with other people? And my kids are people too, right? I do not want to live my life frustrated with the people that I live with because just because they aren't doing something that I wanted them to do. So when I dug enough to see that that's where the problem lied, I realized that I didn't want to play the role of an arbiter over someone else's life. If I felt like I was spending more time cooking than I wanted, I knew that I could choose to buy more convenience food, right? That was mostly prepared and just needed heating. And I realized my kids would eat that too. You know, they that's not something they would complain about. And the work that I was doing in the kitchen was stuff that I was choosing to do. It was the same with the dishes. We could conceivably choose paper plates, right? And again, the kids probably wouldn't make a fuss about that either. So really, was it fair to expect them to do this work when it's work that's generated by my choices? So once I realized that these truly were my choices, 
I became comfortable knowing that this work was what I was choosing. So I was choosing to put in this meal prep time, choosing to have dirty dishes at the end of it. So the most important thing about asking other people, kids included, for their help is that no is a perfectly fine answer. Mm -hmm. Because realize if that's not the case, you're not asking them. So once we're in that space of understanding that no is perfectly fine, there's so much less heaviness in the air. And you know what? Almost paradoxically, you're so much more likely to get a yes. Because who wants to say yes when you can feel that pressure of an unspoken expectation of yes? You, you just want to say no to show that you have the power to say no, right? Um, but when that question is asked freely, without any expectations, without that overt power, um, you know, you, you can just feel them waiting to hear what you say. It's so much more pleasant to join that atmosphere with a yes. If they're like, oh, can you help? And you, you exude, you know, joy and fun. Not even that. It's just you exude that this is entirely a choice and that you are choosing to do it. It's a choice you're you're making and you're okay whether they join you or not but it would be fun if they did but that takes time to develop for that trust to develop so that they know that they are free to say no because right now although they do say no to you all the time right that's what's getting frustrated i'm sure they can feel your frustration so they know it's not really a free choice and then as for the second question the tidying up it's all rooted in that same foundation as the first question you had it's all in those expectations that need for tidy at the end of each day is most likely your thing right it's not their thing it's your expectations and again it's near impossible to make other people adults or children meet your expectations without coercing them you know what do you do if you want an adult friend to do something and they don't want to do it or if a friend has expectations of you that seem unreasonable to you how do you feel when you're in that that position so maybe go back and explore your expectations um, around tidying up, just like I talked about for the food prep stuff. If you want to have a space that's tidy, no problem. I, I loved how uh, Tammy Stroud uh, addressed that a few episodes ago with her large family. She has zones that are designated for kids to do their thing. And she isn't bothered if they are messy because that's what that space is for. Just in her mind saying that's that's where the kids play then, you know, it. she um, could easily accept when that's messy because that's what they do there. That's the whole point of it. And I loved how she talked about managing the environment and not the kids. That I think that's a really great mind shift. Um, and it's a great way to look at it, setting up spaces to meet the differing needs of everyone in the family. So there's places where the kids can be messy and, and there's places where toys don't go. Um, and the other thing she mentioned was easily accessible and uncomplicated cleaning supplies, making it simple for kids to help out. And the other thing that goes along with that um, was another great point she made um, is to be okay with things being done imperfectly. Don't expect kids to perform a task with the experience of an adult or else they'll start avoiding that task because they want to avoid being judged, right? So that, again, goes down to our expectations on them. The kids will eventually experience times when they want their playroom to be tidy. Uh, there will be times when you have some time and you can tidy it up to surprise them and they can experience that joy of that clean room. 
But now, instead of um, them having to meet all of your expectations, now they're exploring their own environment. They're creating their own environment and they're seeing what they're learning about themselves, not about what you expect. So see the difference? Uh, it can be a little bit tricky at first, but there's just a, a huge mindset difference. And once you have that trust developed, um, there's just so many more possibilities. You know, it always comes down to options and possibilities in so many ways things can go. But a lot of the work is starting with our expectations and um, and figuring out why we're putting our expectations on other people. Anna? Yeah, so, oh, so much what what Pam said, but I'll just jump into a few things because I do have the same experiences here. Um, and I think I've mentioned before that I do need a clean palate to start cooking dinner in the kitchen. It feels very overwhelming to me if not. And so if the sink is full, I just find it really hard to dig in and create a new meal. And so that was just something that we talked about, you know, outside of the moment, not when we're hungry and trying to cook dinner, but just explaining kind of the why for me and what it feels like to me when I come in and want to start cooking dinner because I, I enjoy cooking dinner for everyone. Um, and we decided that we like to clean up as we go versus waiting till right before because a lot of times we're all involved in different tasks, me included. And so sometimes we don't want that extra time if we're trying to get dinner done by a certain time. So and we've also for us, we found kind of dividing things up. You know, I tend to wash the things that don't go in the dishwasher and everyone else in the house kind of makes sure anything that can go in the dishwasher gets in there throughout the day. Um, often my husband will be the one that unloads the dishwasher. Other people will pitch in when they see it needs unloading, you know, that type of thing. And it's funny, a friend of mine, we timed it and it was less than five minutes to empty the dishwasher, which we were both just drop jawed about because we always made it to be such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> the dishwasher but oh my gosh less than five minutes and it's all put away so sometimes that perspective helps again with all of that um you know but discussing what we needed to be done in between meals and you know then everybody can decide how they want to be involved in that and just like Pam said we may decide you know what that doesn't feel good we'd rather use paper plates or we'd rather not have the big meals or we'd rather do these other things like that's everything's on the table so it's not a discussion about how to make it look like I want it to look it's I can share my feelings yeah. about what's not working for me and then we can decide with all the possibilities like what makes sense for the four of us and you you know, I feel like when we're clear about what our needs are and what our, you know, kind of struggle areas, then that just helps us put it all into the soup to figure out like, okay, well, so then what makes sense? How do we work through this together? And again, not with one set outcome of them cleaning the kitchen before I start dinner. That's not the outcome. The outcome is then how there is no, we don't know what the outcome will be. It, it's going to be what feels good to all of us. And so I think it's just that idea of talking to each other. This is not a top-down decision. The expectations are set aside and just focus on solutions. And so with your second question, um, I agree. It's really a lot related to the first question. And I think looking at that statement, we like to have, you know, there's at least four people living in your house because you mentioned kids, plural. So 
let's say four, there are four people with preferences. You know, in our home, no one person's preferences carries more weight than the other. So we talk about our needs and preferences and find ways to accommodate each other. I actually do like a clean space. So I like um, surface levels that are clean. I find them calming. And so I've carved out areas of the house that are mine. It sounds like very much like what Pam's other um, podcast was talking about. And I keep them clean. I keep those surfaces clean so that when I come into my space in the morning, it's just this, ah, it's calm and clean and I can sit down and do whatever I want to do in the morning. Um, But for others in my family, their work and play is spread out in just the way they want it. They want to see their creation. They want, when even though it may look like a mess to me, that's a judgment. You know, this is their creation. It inspires them to dig in and to create more. So we love to find space and leave space for that because it's so important to them. And, you know, you can find solutions to individual problems. I've had people tell me, but I've got to walk through the living room at night and it's it's too cluttered. Well, then, you know, create a little path or have different areas or things like that. Like it gets that creative problem solving. Um, and, it, you know, it just may not be the reason you think, which I think parents often tend to think, well, they're lazy. They don't want to clean up after themselves. But if you can have an open conversation without the expectations, you learn so much more about each other. Because, for example, some creative play endeavors involve a lot of setup and time until you get to actual the meat of the creative play piece. And so how frustrating to have to start that setup time over every day. And it doesn't let you get in the flow and kind of grow from where where you left off yesterday. So it's just thinking about it in a different way. So I find ways to care for my need for clean surfaces that don't impinge on the creative process of the others in the house. And, you know, examine your assumptions, have conversations without attachment to outcome, let go of those expectations and just see where it leads. You know, I think you'll find it's it's an easier problem, quote, to solve than you think. And what about you? Well, once again, as with everything, um, we have to realize that we don't need to adopt society's messages about life, and in this case, about chores. And, um, you know, since I um, abandoned all of society's messages when Jacob was born, (laughs) on his insistence, um, I also didn't want to have any negative connotations with chores with my kids. So, you know, it was easy for me to... um, not require that of them. And what I found throughout our unschooling days was that um, when we were all doing our own things, we were in other rooms, uh, part of the ebb and flow of our lives of coming together and being apart. You know, if I would um, go downstairs and start folding laundry, uh, Jacob or Sam would know where I was and they would seek me out to um, come and talk to me about their game or something. And so there I would be, you know, folding laundry or doing laundry and they'd be, this was our time to connect this. Then that's what it turned into a valuable, valuable time of connection with each other. And it got to be where I'd be like, I'm going to fold laundry. Do you want to come and be by me? So they would come and be by me. And then I, you know, eventually they'd start picking up stuff and folding it also. And so that's what it grew into. We would all just start folding clothes because the focus was on our connection together. And that's the same um, 
as it is with dinner time. You know, we gathering for dinner time in our family was a huge celebratory thing. You know, my husband was coming home and um, we'd love to cook. Sam and I would be cooking something. So it was our coming together again at the end of a day of our ebb and flow. And I'd be like, you know, so what do we want to do? You know, if there's cooking, you want to set the table, you eat in, out, eat in front of the TV. You know, it's all the discussions. It's all what this world that we created uh, on our own without any of society's messages in there. And um, even with my husband, he um, he does like order. And so what we saw was that he would come home from work. And if there was a mess like in a main area on our table or something, he would clean it up. And he's, he, you know, he's always known for vacuum, vacuuming everything all the time. And <laughs> When we're going someplace, we'll be in the car waiting for him. And we're like, where is dad? Is he vacuuming? You know, so <laughs> um, my kids on their own, you know, got to a point where they were like, I don't want dad to come home and, you know, start doing work. So let's get this cleaned up so that he doesn't feel pressure to do so. And, you know, that's totally because of their desire to just have um, time other than cleaning with their father after work. And that that was a beautiful thing on their own. And I just had to laugh at you talking about stepping on things in the middle of the night, Anna, because Dave's <laughs> whole thing is um, he gets up in the middle of the night and he's like, I'm going to kill myself if that stays there in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's become a thing. Like, uh, are you going to kill yourself if this is sticking out like this? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> we, we have to clear this entire space of this path for Dave to walk in the middle of the night and make sure that he doesn't kill himself in the middle of the night. So anyway. That's my two cents. <laughs> okay, well, I will move on to question four then, which is from Liz. My son has been playing with coding and wants to learn how to code in, oh, I'm not sure, Lao, which is the language that Roblox uses. After looking at a lot, um, lots of different options for him to learn coding, he's very clear that he wants me to learn to code and then teach him what I know and help him write scripts specifically for Roblox. He has fantastic ideas for in-game mods, but we have found it difficult so far to write scripts that works like he wants them to. I would love some encouragement and or stories from your lives about how you've helped your children learn about something that is challenging for you. Thank you. Well, there have definitely been times where I've taken on learning something that was, you know, outside of my comfort zone to facilitate one of my girls. And as I was thinking about this question and looking back, I can see that me taking that interest and learning what I could was actually enough to propel them along the path and that usually they quickly surpassed me, not needing my help anymore. But I'm still so glad that I put in the effort and gave them the support that they needed to take it from there. You know, maybe in your case, finding a mentor, getting some tips. And as your son becomes more comfortable, you know, then he may decide, OK, I want to take the lead on this. But right now he's feeling that need for you to be there with him and learning right alongside of him. Um, I, I found it helpful in these situations, too, to just remember that things change so quickly and that nothing lasts forever. This is what he needs right now. And it's a really cool connection to have with him while he's starting out exploring this passion that's interesting to him. Um, most likely, he'll either lose interest of it or he may take off and soar with this interest without you. And either way, I just think how fun that you're getting this time with him to figure it out in the trenches together. And so I will say I've just definitely been there trying to figure out how to create a Minecraft server, which is just not my 
forte at all, but I did and we made it work. But then it was so funny because quickly, you know, as I looked back, even on that a few months after it, she just took off and did it with her friends. And then they were doing more and more and more and more. But, you know, for whatever reason, just me kind of helping them get that started was enough to make them feel comfortable, like, okay, we can do this. And so just, I think, look at it in that way and make it lighter and, and have those conversations with him. And, and, and he can see your process of how, you find out information and maybe that's kind of what he's looking for too how is she going to approach this problem and so you can find what works for you mentors or reading or youtube youtube so helpful so helpful youtube in these situations um and and yeah just kind of go from there so and any other thoughts about that yeah yeah same same with me and because um you know, while I will happily and joyfully do what I can to jump into my child's interests and passions with him, if he wants me to, I can't make my brain work any differently than it does. <laughs> yes. I did learn to play Yu-Gi-Oh for a day. Oh, wait a minute. It wasn't Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, it was it was a different one. I don't know what it was called. But I, now I remember my kids saying, Mom, this one's easier than Yu-Gi-Oh. I think you can do this one. <laughs> do you guys have any idea what that might be? I Maybe Pokemon, but I don't know. No, no, I, no. Anyway, I learned how to do it for a day. And, um, you know, as Anna was saying, could not keep up with my kids. <laughs> forgot it the next day. And But the most important thing is that I'm there to support them, to help them read things because they were playing games before they could read. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was just there as they played, asking questions, wanting to learn more about their game. When they come to me with their stories about their games or whatever, I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm joining in their joy in many ways without having to actually learn everything and, uh, and actually, you know, doing what I can, what little I can. And as Anna said, you know, there's a vast array of assistants out there in the world these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not difficult to find answers. And uh, But what usually happens is my kids find uh, community. In fact, Jacob is the one that started the Unschooling Gamers community because he wanted to um, have this community where they everybody could talk about their game and what they're doing and ask if they had questions and say, my mom doesn't know how to do this, so can you guys help me? <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I, you know, an unschooling gathering is another place where, you know, uh, the passion is celebrated by parents and kids alike. So that's a cool place to um, to seek out to find people with a similar interest. And one time I did learn to play guitar because Sam wanted to learn and I figured it was the best way to help him learn to learn how to play. Um, plus, I always felt like it was the cool kids who knew how to play guitar. So I was excited about exploring that category for a change, being a cool kid. And then Jacob <laughs> Jacob wanted to learn. So it was the three of us sitting around the table with the beginner chords, stretching and learning how to play, play guitar. And it was really fun. We actually played together at one of the talent shows at a Live and Learn Unschooling Conference. We learned and played a song by Sam's favorite band at the time, Augustana. So, you know, that's taking Sam's interest in um, do, jumping in with him and yet still um, going back to him. The, we wanted the song to be one that he wanted to play and everything. So that was really cool. And then it got to the point where Jacob and I just kept going with it and Sam lost interest. Or maybe he felt like we hijacked his thing. I don't know. <laughs> But he still doesn't play to this day, even though he has that $800 guitar that we talked about <laughs> in a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, and I love that you asked for stories. That's very cool. Thank you so much. The baton to Pam. The baton. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Ooh, Mike injured his angle on ankle on a baton pass on the horses the other day <laughs> no <laughs> but it, it's it's better now he knows how to take care of his body parts now. <laughs> <laughs> part anyway job, speaking job, of stories danger of the job yeah exactly <laughs> um so yeah i mean i'll i'll echo the stories in the situations where you know i learned so many things um that i wouldn't have pursued on my own you know like Tons of bands and game music and, and how to apply for U.S. visas, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and all the weapons and stunt fighting and all that kind of stuff. And I, I love this stuff. You know, it was all super interesting. But, yeah, it was very, you know, um, it was joining them um, so that I was there to help them pursue their interests in any of the directions that they uh, wanted to take it. One thing I found interesting in your your question, Liz, was you said that he wants you to learn so that you can show him how to do it. And I thought that was a really fun little bit to dive into. Um, and just just asking yourself, you know, uh, why why he wants that set up that way. You know, is the information that he's finding, you know, maybe in YouTube videos or wherever, about that particular programming language confusing for him. So he'd like you to figure it out um, because he learns things better the way that you show him. You know, mm -hmm. these are just great questions to ask yourself. And I think Anna mentioned it's a great opportunity for you to model how you figure things out, sharing with him the websites and forums that you find to ask your questions when you're stuck, you know, because you're giving him uh, more tools that he can he can use when he uh, if and when he wants to take that over. Um, and it just shows him how you approach things when you're confused and he gets to see you confused. You know, it's, it's, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to figure it out. Maybe you are his hands right now. And once you've figured out kind of a repeatable plan for finding answers and he sees that work a few times, he may take it over. Um, as you know, we've seen a lot of times. Um, it kind of reminds me, and I think somebody mentioned learning to read, right? I think it was you, Anne. We read for them until they're ready mm -hmm. to take that yep. over, or maybe we write for them, or mm -hmm. maybe we type for yep. them. So it's just it's just another aspect of that. Um, we do what we can to help them do what it is they want to do. But uh, the other piece that I think is really interesting is we don't um, do it. Tr we do it transparently. So that it isn't like magic. So I remember even with reading, like I remember reading Harry Potter aloud to the kids and saying, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this word, mm -hmm. you know, and I've said to the kids, oh, I don't know how to make the code do that, you know, but way back when, when they wanted me to program websites for them, right? They wanted to have a website. They didn't want to learn the details of setting it up, but they would, you know, draw out exactly what they wanted it to look like and everything. And I would do that for them. And, you know, I'd say, I don't know how to make the code do that. I'm going to Google that. So the odd time, if I began to feel like I was doing all the work, you know, more like I was serving them rather than us working together, I would ask if they'd hang out with me while I figured, oh, I'm working on your website. You want to come over? Um, or can you play your game around here in case I have a question, you know, uh, what you mean by this? Or if I can't make it do exactly that, but I can make it do almost that, is that good enough? 
you know, so I'd talk through the problem out loud and, you know, maybe even they would cheer with me when I got something to work properly. (laughs) (laughs) And back to the expectations again, if they said no, that's totally okay too. So that was for me part of sitting with that discomfort for a little bit and seeing where things went. Remember, we talked so much about time and just seeing where things go because it always resolved. Maybe we got a bit further and I came to see the value that I was adding to their process. So I was their hands for a while or they eventually took it over and I saw that really I was more like a transition tool (laughs) for them. Right. Or they lost interest in it as they saw how much work it was taking me to do it and figure things out. And they realized it wasn't worth that uh, much investment of their time and things passed away. Um, But the thing is to consider is um, just not, it's not worth making it look like magic, you know, um, cause they aren't getting real information this way. You know, things don't magically appear if, if we don't know how to do it. Right. And even if we do know how to do it, it's just, you know, helping them, letting them see, um, what we're doing, you know, so that they can, even if we're doing all of it, but they're seeing, um, how, how it works. Like even you go back to the kitchen thing. They they see you unloading the dishwasher. They know that's a thing. They see how long it takes to prepare dinner. They know that's a thing. It's just it's living life beside them and with them, not kind of behind their back. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if I can jump in with everything that you've been saying, uh, you know, the word creation came to me again when I was talking about how we create our worlds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is it. Uh, working with our kids in this way and fine tuning every step of the way that, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, what they want and how much we can give. And is this enough? How do you what do you think about this? It's Mm -hmm. I just got this beautiful feeling of the beautiful swirl of it all and the flow. And it's, it's, it's amazing. The picture that we paint, that we create with our lives, with just the connection, Mm -hmm. the true deep connection with our children. It's, I I just love it. Yes. I'm looking at the goosebumps on my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's entirely it. We're living together. Just the swirl, the swirl of life and the connections and the, and the, you know, not needing to being okay with this discomfort for a little bit, because Mm -hmm. after a few times you realize it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so curious to see how it's going to work out. Right, right. And just, you know, sitting, it it doesn't mean ignoring your needs, but it doesn't also doesn't mean plopping them on another person immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we don't know enough at first. Usually we need more information to kind of feel this out and see where it's going. Anyway. And with that beautiful picture of swirling connections, (laughs) (laughs) I would like to say thank you so much to both of you for answering questions with me. Yay. Yay. (laughs) And just a reminder, there are links in the show notes for all the things that we mentioned. We mentioned a lot. (laughs) So much homework. Exactly. And if you'd like to submit a question for the Q&A show, just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast and click on the link. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. 
This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.